0: This is an address given by Andrew Bonar in the book Sheaves After Harvest. Andrew Bonar was a minister in the Free Church of Scotland in the 19th century and very well respected and loved in his day. This is chapter one entitled Praise. It's notes of an address delivered at the Mildmay Conference in 1871. Allusion has been made to the passage in the fifth chapter of Revelation where the four living beings and the four and twenty elders lifted up their golden vials full of odours, which are the prayers of saints. They did so in the sight of Christ the Lamb, and yet the Lion of the tribe of Judah, appearing with the seven-sealed book in his possession, his claim to the possession of our earth as its only rightful king. On that occasion they held up their vials of prayer, as if saying, Now, Lord, in this thy day, remember what has been unanswered hitherto. But on that same occasion, we are told that they held in the other hand, every one of them, a harp, all the while that they showed him the vials full of odours. And what do we learn from this? Taking these four living beings and the four and twenty elders as showing us the Church of God, the saints, I believe, of the Old Testament and the New Testament in one, every one of them holding a harp, just as really as every one of them had a vial full of odours, Is it not the illustration of the text? Let us offer to him the sacrifice of praise continually, just as elsewhere it is written, Pray without ceasing. Let us offer praise continually, even the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Hebrews 13 verse 15 The praise we are to offer is lips ever uttering forth thanks to his name. In the north of Scotland, in the county of Banffshire some years ago, there was a remarkable wave of blessing which passed from village to village on the sea coast as if the Lord had a peculiar love for fishermen remembering the fishermen of Galilee at this point three friends were visited visiting some of these villages after they had gone through several of them they came in the evening to one with a population of about 500 souls young and old they said to some of the people might we not have a prayer meeting the answer they got was They got took them by surprise. Oh, sir, it is all praise here just now. It is all praise. So the friend said, how? What has happened to you especially? The answer was, among the adult population, there are only four persons that do not profess to have been brought to Christ. And so it is all praise with us here. You see what gives origin to praise. You see where praise and when praise really begins. When God takes the sinner out of the miry clay and when he sets his feet upon the rock, it is then he begins to sing the new song. You may have joined in many a tune, you may have been delighted with many a hymn, but you have never offered praise all your life long to this moment unless your feet have been taken out of the miry clay and set upon the rock. The new song begins on the rock, and it is a new song, There is not a believer here but will tell you how differently he felt from the moment he saw his Saviour and how completely different was his song of praise onward from that hour. Have you then got into the right position for praise? Are your feet upon the rock? O Lord, says Isaiah, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away. That's from Isaiah chapter 12. See again where praise begins and what kindles its flame. There is a very beautiful incident, I do not know if it is often noticed, in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 29, in the history of King Hezekiah. He was led to appoint certain arrangements in regard to what we should call the psalmody of the temple, and one of them is thus stated, When the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also, verse 27, in 2 Chronicles 29. He appointed that every morning when the sacrifice should be offered they should sing and blow the trumpets, that all Jerusalem might know that the atoning sacrifice was now presented on Israel's altar. When the offering began, then the song of the Lord began. Again you see that there that true praise begins when the sinner's eye rests upon the sacrifice, when the guilty conscience has felt the power of the atoning blood, and when the sinner's vacant heart has been filled with the person of the great sacrifice, the great atoner himself. We said a little while ago that praise is to be offered continually. It is so written, Hebrews 13, 15, quoted in one of the papers in your hand, continually. We should count it our privilege to be in this continual frame of praise. Does not the 119th Psalm um, 5 sorry verse 164 put it in this way seven times a day do i praise thee david says in another psalm i pray to thee at evening morning and noon but here it is i will praise thee seven times a day as if he would even go beyond the other limit in the matter of praise at all events we are to be praising continually there is no need to fear that we shall want matter and yet Is it not a fact that we do not keep up the freshness of our new song as years go on? And why is this? Is it not because we are not getting a fresh view of the Lamb of God? You observe in a very memorable chapter, the fifth of Revelation, that when they got that new sight of the Lamb, the Lamb with the book in his possession, holding it up in their view, it is said they sing a new song. Thou art worthy, for thou wast slain. I appeal to believers, if this is not the case, that every time they get another view of Christ, of his person, of his offering, of his office, of his words and of his ways, then it is they they that um, feel they can sing afresh with their whole soul to him. And is there no matter in his varied dealings with you personally, as well as endless variety in his varied manifestations of his name? But there is a passage which perhaps might seem to a superficial reader to represent the worship in heaven, the praise in heaven, as if it were somewhat monotonous. For one seraph cried to another, says Isaiah in his sixth chapter, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, And the living beings in the fourth chapter of the Revelation, full of eyes before and behind, intimating a power to look far into the mystery of godliness, are said to rest, not day nor night, singing what? Singing this song, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Now the question arises, do they always sing that song? Is there no variety? Here, friends, it is good to get some right idea of what that really teaches. You are praying without ceasing, you are to pray without ceasing, and to praise without ceasing continually. That is, your heart is to be in that state. You are filled with the groanings that cannot be uttered, and your heart is at the same time in that state. That if the chord only be touched, it is ready to give forth some utterance of adoration. Now in the passage I have referred to, we are taught that while there may and may it will be a ceaseless variety of subjects for praise to God, yet there pervades the adoration an undertone, and the undertone is holy, holy, holy. There is no levity in the praise of heaven. There is no lightness in the hymns. They never forget with all their songs to sing to the holy, holy, holy one. Oh, there is glorious solemnity in heaven, glorious solemnity amid the rapturous joy of these adoring multitudes, a model surely for us. There should be no levity in our songs, let our souls be like the seraphs and like these living beings who always keep before them the Holy One while they worship the Lamb. Now, there are many things that might be said about praise, but you remember the Psalms have given us three statements that may guide us The book of Psalms says, praise is pleasant. It says again, it is good to sing praise. And again it says, praise is comely for the upright. One, praise is pleasant. You know it is pleasant to yourselves, but praise is pleasant means more than that. It means it is pleasant to God. It is something that God is pleased with. I should like to show you how truly God takes pleasure in the praises of his saints. Have you not noticed that though Solomon offered up that remarkable prayer in the temple in 2 Chronicles 6, recorded by the Holy Ghost? Yet the blessing did not come down then. It was a little after, when the multitude of singers were as one in giving forth their praise and saying, The Lord is good, his mercy endureth for ever cloud of glory came down and filled the temple as they uttered the burst of praise. And in the history of King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, going forth to battle against Ammon, Moab, and Seir, Jehoshaphat's remarkable prayer is recorded at full length. Still, it was not then that the victory or the assurance of victory came. But as he marched out of Jerusalem down the valley of Tekoa, to where he expected to meet the enemy, they made the valley resound with songs It is said he consulted with the people, and instead of going forth with common martial music, they agreed they would march down the valley with the Lord's song on their lips, and the burden of it is, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Now it is added that when the song began, the Lord set an ambushment against Moab and Ammon and and Seir, and Israel did not need to fight, they just came up and gathered the spoils. See the honour God put upon true praise rendered to himself. Prayer must be followed by praise. Prayer by itself, the Lord seems to say, is very well, but he wants praise. He must have the harp as well as the golden vial full of odour. He must now have both as well those that stand before the Lamb. And in the prison of Philippi, what do we find? There were Paul and Silas praying. Yes, but they sang praises and the emphasis is put upon the praises, for it is said the prisoners heard them, or more correctly at least, more emphatically it is, and the prisoners were listening. You can, as it were, see them awaking and expressing wonder to each other and putting their ear to the door of their cell. The prisoners were listening, songs in a prison. Such songs, songs of Zion, had never been heard before, and it was then that the earthquake shook the prison and the lord came down and converted the jailer a man memorable in the church of god and who will be more memorable till the lord and who will be memorable till the lord comes praise is pleasant to the lord as well as pleasing to us but again praise is good it is sanctifying there is something in it tending to build up the soul in sanctification how could it be otherwise Praise is the element of heaven. If so, in this praise there must be much of heaven. What are some of the elements of heaven? Surely one is joy, holy joy, joy in the Lord. Now nothing sanctifies more than this joy. Mere sorrow never sanctifies. Sorrow indeed turns us away from earthly good. But in itself the sorrow of the world worketh death. What sanctifies? These light afflictions which are but for a moment work out for us an exceeding weight of glory while we look not at the things that are seen but at the things that are not seen, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18. It is joy to which we are led by sorrow that sanctifies, joy in the Lord, joy that is the element of heaven, and we can at once see there is something unselfish in praise. You can suppose prayer to have a great deal of selfishness in it, and the Lord is quite aware of that, But he does not object to a kind of selfishness in our prayers, that is, that kind of seeking that we ourselves may be receivers of his blessing. But praise is more unselfish, more heaven-like, more therefore like Jesus. It is a giving forth of what we have received. And further, I think you will all agree in this, only sing praise truly and there will be little discontent. I do not know a better remedy for discontent than praise, true praise. Where are your murmurs when you are singing praise? Oh, if those that fret and are discontented at little things or at great things, if they would only substitute for all that praise, they would soon know it is good to give thanks. Oh, praise is sanctifying. Praise chases away hard thoughts of God which men call infirmities and which saints often call infirmities, but which are really downright corruption and dishonouring to God, as much as were the murmurs in the camp of Israel. 3. And then praise is comely. I will not dwell upon this, but you will at once own that praise is very becoming. Only withhold it, and you will see what a position you put yourself in. Ask, is it right to withhold praise? Would it be grateful? Would you feel as if you were putting yourself in a right position? A good man once said with something of sarcasm, I think some christian people are going to make heaven a place of gratitude and mean to keep all their gratitude till they get there they show so little here praise is comely to withhold it is most unseemly most unseemly in any circumstances for it matters not what your position be as a saint of god or your position in the world or what may be your afflictions or what your circumstances praise is still comely Every saint is expected in all circumstances to be able to praise continually. All saints remember, but yet it is not the case that all saints always do it. One of our old Scots writers, John Livingstone, said in his day, a line of praise praise is worth a page of prayer, because he found it such a rare thing. Do you think he exaggerated? He was a man known for his godliness. He wanted to stir up believers to praise more. And you notice in the book of Psalms, as it gets near its close, prayer is forgotten, almost forgotten. The four last Psalms are just a burst of praise. The stream is spread. It is not shallower, it is deeper, but it is not, but it is joining the ocean and it is all praise, praise to God. I would say further, are you afflicted? You could not do wrong in singing praise. It is told us of a Welsh girl that her father had died and the mother came out of the room weeping child said what mother what is the matter oh what shall I do my child oh what shall I do mother what is the matter your father is dead child and what shall I do The child looked up into the mother's face and said mother praise the Lord praise the Lord the mother was reproved she went away and she tried to praise. she began to praise the Lord for what was left and as she began to praise the Lord for what was left to her she soon found that the burden of her heart was lifted The Lord was left. The Lord, with all his grace, was still her possession. She was in the position of Habakkuk, who sings, Though the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labour of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Then he inscribed his song, to the chief singer, upon my stringed instruments, was not the pat- that the pattern for us? Afflicted one, praise the Lord. And tell your afflicted friends to try praise to the Lord. I would say again, have you some special duty on hand? Then try praise as a preface. You know what they do when my Mar- is march. What did the Germans do lately? What did the French do? Had they not got a military song? Did not the Germans sing the Watch on the Rhine? Did not the French sing the Marseille Allais? What should Christian armies do? What did our captain do before he went to the Mount of Olives and as he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the sorest of his conflicts? He sang a hymn. The master sang a hymn with his disciples. We are almost sure what it was. It was the 118th Psalm, for that was the psalm in which the Passover service concluded. In that psalm, you find this burst of praise. Think of the Master singing it. The right hand of the Lord doth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die but live. Oh, try that in going out to battle to duties. And facing difficulties, try praise. Again, are there anxious souls present today? I wish you to notice, anxious soul, that this subject speaks to you. Try praise, but I want to guard myself against being misunderstood. For I thoroughly agree with what has been sometimes so well stated, that in our day there are many persons prayed into peace, and there are a great number sung into peace, and the peace is worth nothing. It is excitement. It is not peace founded on the word. It is peace founded on the feelings. That kind of peace, whether you have got it in one way or the other, is it is not founded on the testimony of God concerning his Son, if it is not founded upon what the Father testifies regarding the accepted offering of his beloved Son, it is not a solid peace. Tell anxious souls to try praise, notwithstanding. Only point out to them this aspect of the matter. Tell them to praise the Lamb. Tell them to praise him because he offered himself as the sacrifice. Tell them to fix their eye upon his blood. For, you notice in the very act of so doing they have forgotten self self-forgotten it is the lamb that is remembered worthy is the lamb I am all unworthiness worthy is the lamb they have got at what they sought I have just to make a closing remark there is a song in reserve for us Christ is coming and there is to be a song then such as we have never yet sung at least I suppose very likely that is what is meant by the Song of the Lamb, the Song of Moses we know something of, but it is at the sea of glass that we shall sing this Song of the Lamb. Christ used to sing when he was on earth. We referred to his singing before he went out to the Mount of Olives, and it is said of his people that they too shall have a song on that very day when Christ comes, Isaiah 30 verses 27 and 29. The song as in the night when a holy solemnity is kept. Now what may we think regarding that song? If the Lord Jesus, at his first coming in the night in which he's instituted the Lord's Supper himself, gave thanks in the name of God's church for after ages, he did not also sing that song for his people, for none could sing as he did. Would you not like to have heard him singing it in the upper room, in the narrative given by Mark of this story of Gethsemane, we are told of a young man who seems to have crept under the bushes, wishing to listen to what went on. Perhaps that young man heard some of Christ's strong crying and unutterable groanings. Though I think many of us would like to have got into that upper room and to have heard him sing that song before he went to the garden. We cannot, however, we cannot, however, the time is past, but there is a song in reserve for us which Christ will lead. Yes, we believe that Christ will sing this song himself. It is said in the 22nd Psalm, In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee, and again my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. Oh, what will it be to hear Christ singing then, leading a song of praise and inviting all his ransomed to join him? Our voices are only now being tuned for that day when we shall join him in the song of the Lamb, a song which will be for ever and ever and ever. Amen.